The clerk will report the title. Report to accompany House Resolution 38. Resolution providing for consideration of the resolution, House Resolution 21, calling on Vice President Michael R. Pence to convene and mobilize the principal officers of the executive departments of the cabinet to activate Section 4 of the 25th Amendment to declare President Donald J. Trump incapable of executing the duties of his office and to immediately exercise powers as acting president and for other purposes. Referred to the House calendar and ordered printed. For what purpose does the gentlewoman from Pennsylvania seek recognition? Mr. Speaker, by direction of the Committee on Rules, I call up House Resolution 38 and ask for its immediate consideration. The clerk will report the resolution. House calendar number one, House Resolution 38, resolved that upon adoption of this resolution, it shall be in order without intervention of any point of order to consider in the House the resolution, House Resolution 21, calling on Vice President Michael R. Pence to convene and mobilize the principal officers of the executive departments of the cabinet to activate section four of the 25th amendment to declare President Donald J. Trump incapable of executing the duties of his office and to immediately exercise powers as acting president. The amendment to the preamble printed in the report of the Committee on Rules accompanying this resolution shall be considered as adopted. The resolution as amended shall be considered as read. The previous question shall be considered as ordered on the resolution and preamble as amended to adoption without intervening motion or demand for division of the question, except one hour of debate equally divided and controlled by the chair and ranking minority member of the committee on the judiciary or their respective designees. Section 2, the prohibition against personality in debate shall not apply during consideration of measures specified in Section 3 of this resolution with respect to references to the President. Section 3, the measures referred to in Section 2 of this resolution are as follows. A, House Resolution 21. B, any special order of business providing for the consideration of House Resolution 24. Section 4A, during a covered period designated pursuant to Section 3S of House Resolution 8, 1. The Sergeant at Arms is authorized and directed to impose a fine against a member, delegate, or the resident commissioner for the failure to wear a mask in contravention of the Speaker's announced policies of January 4th, 2021, and two, a fine imposed per pursuant to this section shall be treated as though imposed under Clause 3G of Rule 2 and shall be administered as though pursuant to, cl to Clause 4D of Rule 2, except that A, the time periods described and Clause 3G3C of Rule 2 shall not commence until the Committee on Ethics has adopted written rules, and the Chair of the Committee on Ethics shall notify all members, delegates, or the resident commissioner with pending appeals upon such commencement, and B, a fine subject to appeal under Clause 3G3 of Rule 2 shall proceed unless dismissed within the time period provided under Clause 3G3C of Rule 2. B, subsection A establishes a standard of conduct within the meaning of, of Clause 3A2 of Rule 11. The gentlewoman from Pennsylvania is recognized for one hour. Mr. Speaker, for the purposes of debate only, I yield the customary 30 minutes to the gentleman from Oklahoma, pending which I yield myself such time as I may consume. 
During consideration of this resolution, all time yielded is for the purpose of debate only. I ask unanimous consent that all members be given five legislative days to revise and extend their remarks. Mr. Speaker, today the Rules Committee met and reported a closed rule, House Resolution 38, providing for consideration of House Resolution 21, calling on Vice President Michael R. Pence to convene and mobilize the principal officers of the executive departments of the Cabinet to activate Section 4 of the 25th Amendment to declare President Donald J. Trump incapable of executing the duties of his office and to immediately exercise powers as acting president. The rule provides one hour of debate equally divided and controlled by the chair and ranking member of the Committee of, on the Judiciary or a designee. The rule self-executes a manager's amendment by Chairman Nadler. The rule provides that the prohibition against engaging in personalities during debate with respect to references to the President shall not apply during consideration of House Resolution 21 or any special order of business relating to the impeachment of the President considered on January 13, 2021. Finally, the rule authorizes and directs the Sergeant-at-Arms to impose a fine against a member, delegate, or the resident commissioner for the failure to wear a mask in contravention of the Speaker's announced policy on this subject for the duration of the pandemic. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. We're here today to debate the rule for House Resolution 21, a resolution calling for Vice President Pence to invoke the 25th Amendment and declare President Donald Trump incapable of executing the duties of his office. We take this ex action solemnly and with grave concern for the safety and security of our nation and its people, even in the final days of this President's administration. Last Wednesday, a lawless mob breached this chamber with the most evil and destructive intent. They were here to take the law into their own hands to disrupt Congress as it counted the Electoral College votes and to overturn the lawful election of Joseph Biden as our 46th president. As violent invaders broke windows and rammed doors, they chanted that they wanted to hang the vice president and kidnap the Speaker of the House, and they brought the tools to do it. They beat one police officer to death, tased others, and tried to shoot one with his own gun. Another officer will likely lose an eye. Scores of others suffered head injuries when they were beaten with pipes. Blood was spilled on the marble floor just outside this room. Members, staff, and reporters were forced to take cover under furniture and barricade themselves in rooms clutching gas masks and fearing for their lives as the President's MAGA supporters chanted and raged nearby. Journalists were specifically targeted and beaten. Explosive devices were placed nearby to divert the police from protecting the Capitol. This was not a peaceful protest. These were crimes against our country and the people who go to work every day on Capitol Hill. Just this afternoon, the FBI announced that it expects to charge hundreds of people with crimes ranging from simple trespass to conspiracy and sedition to weapons offenses to felony murder. Crimes like this do not occur in a vacuum. They must be planned. They must be led. The attack on the Capitol was incited by this administration. For months, they told their supporters that if they didn't win the election, the election was rigged. When the majority of American voters decided they'd had enough of this chaos, they declared that the election had been stolen. The administration invited the president's most rabid supporters to come to D.C. on January 6th for a wild protest. 
Then the administration whipped them into a frenzy and sent the mob across town to attack the Capitol and disrupt the counting of electoral college votes. But it didn't end there. The president reportedly watched with excitement as the news media began streaming images of the terror at the Capitol to electronic devices in America and around the world. The president tweeted that the vice president had betrayed him. And even after the violence was apparent, the president and his lawyer placed calls to allies on Capitol Hill trying to persuade them to prolong their objections to the counting of the electoral votes. What the administration didn't do for hours was to lift a finger to call off the mob or to rally support to defend the government, the historic monuments in the Capitol, the police, or especially the people under siege in the building. Members here in this chamber know that for hours, the president refused to return their calls begging for help. And in the days since, the administration has continued to claim that the election was rigged. It has denied any responsibility for the riot and praised the rioters, all while reports proliferate that the administration's supporters are planning more violence in the weeks ahead. This is why this president remains a clear and present danger to the country so long as he continues to serve. The reality is that we all, even the most loyal political supporters, know that this president is unfit for office. Any other president with an ounce of character would have resigned after seeing the bloody consequences of the actions on Wednesday. Any other administration would have invoked the 25th Amendment long ago. I don't care if a president incites a riot against Congress on his first day or the last day of his or her presidency. Such an act is a crime against our government, much less against the people who are terrorized or killed in the attack. If a president can refuse to acknowledge the will of the American voters, then incite a coup to stay in power without punishment, then our democracy is lost. That's why it's vital for Vice President Pence and the cabinet to do the right thing to invoke the 25th Amendment. Otherwise, this Congress must remove Donald Trump from office. I've heard the calls for unity, and I agree that now is the time to come forward in unity to defend our country, not to defend a man who's proven himself incompetent to occupy the office of the president for another day. I'm grateful to those members of the Republican Party who agree that the time has come to put loyalty to country above partisan considerations, and we welcome their support in taking whatever actions are necessary to end this chaos, to defend our government, and to protect the American people. I also find the cries of partisanship by the President's remaining supporters to be unconvincing. The whole world watched in horror on January 6th as the administration encouraged a mob to attack the seat of our democracy, to disrupt the election of Joseph R. Biden, and then stood by as rioters sacked the Capitol. Many civic leaders from both parties have condemned the president's actions and called for his removal. So no, this is not partisan. But I invite the president's supporters in Congress, no, I beg them to join the American people in holding this president accountable for the violence we experienced last week and to prevent further chaos in the days to come. Before I conclude, I want to take a minute to give my deepest condolences to the families of the Capitol Police officers who died as a result of this attack. I want to thank the men and women of the Metro and Capitol Police forces who valiantly defended both our democracy and the people who work on the Hill, 
and wish a speedy recovery to the scores who were injured during the attack. I also want to thank our tireless facilities and custodial staff for putting the building back together after terrorists violated it, and the members of the press corps who've been so abused by this administration and were specifically targeted by this mob, but continued documenting the attack so Americans could see what was really happening. And lastly, I want to thank our staff across the Capitol for their bravery and dedication to public service. I want to thank you for the work you do every day, but especially for your heroism in returning to the floor last Wednesday night to help us continue the Electoral College vote count. And thank you for being back here with us today. We're indebted to you for your service to our country. Thank you, Mr. Speaker, and I reserve the balance of my time. Gentlewoman from Pennsylvania Reserves, the gentleman from Oklahoma is recognized. Mr. Speaker, I thank the gentlelady from Pennsylvania, my friend Ms. Scanlon, for yielding me the customary 30 minutes and to yield myself such time as I may consume. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Just a few days ago, the nation was shaken by the violent and destructive actions of an outrageous mob that stormed the Capitol and attempted to gain access to this very chamber, seeking to harm innocent lives and disrupt democracy at work. I vehemently condemn their lawless actions. This never should have happened. And the perpetrators of this, these despicable crimes that took place in this building must be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. While Americans have the right to passionately voice their views and peacefully dissent and protest, the siege on our Capitol last Wednesday was the furthest thing from peaceful protest. As a result of the violent and frightening events of the day, six lives have been lost. This includes two courageous Capitol Police officers who put themselves in harm's way to protect us, secure the building, and restore order. We will never forget their selfless sacrifices and bravery. Our deepest prayers remain with their families, friends, loved ones, and the entire United States Capitol Police Force as they grapple with their heavy loss. As we seek to pick up the pieces and move forward healing our nation, I'm concerned that the majority is proceeding with the wrong course of action. Earlier today, Mr. Speaker, the Rules Committee met and reported out a rule for consideration of House Resolution 21. This is a non-binding resolution calling on, the Vice, on Vice President Mike Pence to convene the Cabinet and declare President Trump incapable of executing his duties pursuant to Section 4 of the 25th Amendment. I think this resolution is misguided and inappropriate for the legislative branch to pursue, and as such, I must oppose it. Mr. Speaker, under the 25th Amendment to the Constitution, when it appears the President is unable to fulfill his or her duties, it's the responsibility of the Vice President, with the concurrence of a majority of the Cabinet, to initiate the process for making that determination. That responsibility, grave as it is, rests solely with the Vice President. There's no role for Congress in this process. The only role for Congress arises later, and only in the circumstances where there's a dispute between the President and Vice President about the President's ability to fulfill his or her duties. But we're not faced with that situation now, nor is this resolution intended to designate by law another body besides the Cabinet to exercise this power, which the text of the 25th Amendment says it may do. Instead, with today's resolution, what the majority is asking the House to do is to assume a power it does not have. The House has no role in initiating Section 4 of the 25th Amendment, and we should not pretend otherwise. 
Instead, that power lies with the Vice President. And we should be very clear about what this resolution actually is. It's an attempt to pressure the Vice President into performing a duty he clearly does not believe is necessary at this time. Mr. Speaker, I was here in the Capitol last week, as were all my colleagues. We all had the opportunity to watch Vice President Pence as he fulfilled his duty under the Constitution. He showed sound judgment, poised under pressure, and his actions were above reproach. Indeed, he fulfilled his oath of office and acted in a manner befitting his constitutional role. It was a statesmanlike performance under the most difficult of circumstances. Despite witnessing the Vice President's sound judgment and ability to fulfill his oath in person, the majority is now seeking to push him into performing an additional action under the 25th Amendment. The Vice President has not done what the majority wishes him to do, and so they're bringing up this resolution now as an effort to pressure him into doing so. This act, attempting to substitute the House's judgment for the Vice President's, is not contemplated anywhere in the Constitution. And as we all saw last Wednesday, Vice, Pence's, Vice President Pence's judgment is sound. There's no need for the House to attempt to substitute its judgment for his own. I personally have strong faith in him, and I believe he will consider his constitutional duty in the same manner that he carries out all the other constitutional duties assigned to him, a forthright manner that fulfills his oath of office and attests to his personal integrity. Should the Vice President ever believe that the 25th Amendment needs to be invoked, I have no doubt that Vice President Pence, both as a leader, as a former House colleague, and as a friend, would exercise good judgment with respect to performing that duty. That he's not taken that action thus far is an indication that the House needs to, uh, is no indication that the House needs to push him to do so. His record of sound judgment should speak to us on this issue. As such, I urge my colleagues to reject the resolution. I urge a no vote on the rule, a no vote on the underlying measure, and I reserve the balance of my time. The gentleman reserves. The gentlewoman from Pennsylvania is recognized. Mr. Speaker, I yield two minutes to the gentlewoman from Texas, Ms. Jackson Lee. The gentlewoman from Texas is recognized for two minutes. Let me thank the gentlelady from Pennsylvania for her leadership and my good friend from Oklahoma as well. My friend from Oklahoma may be in fact accurate uh, to the extent uh, that the 25th Amendment stands on its own as actions that the Vice President will take. But we are a co-equal branch of government and Mr. Raskin's resolution is an appropriate resolution because we have a responsibility to govern and to protect the American people. And so this resolution is not in violation of the Constitution because it is the Congress calling upon the Vice President to reflect on January 6th, a day in infamy, to reflect the fact that there were six people that died, that we lost two precious uh, law enforcement Capitol Hill police, there are injuries in many ways attributable to this, some in different ways than others, and we lost Americans. And clearly, it is a long chain of events that goes back to the President of the United States. The President, when a duly announced election came about, 
on November 6, 2020, proceeded to declare that it had been stolen and continued to stoke the fires of his believers to begin to plan some kind of attack because he kept saying, come to Washington, I'll see you there. And then, of course, as time went on, uh, I valued uh, the president's right to the courts of which he went, but he did not find that to be a solution for him. So HRES 21 is the Congress speaking, and we have every right as a co-equal branch to speak. Why? Our we have that right. Gentlewoman from Pennsylvania. 15 seconds? 30? 30? Okay, 30 seconds. Thank you. is recognized for an additional 30 seconds. We have that right uh, because uh, the FBI has indicated that they have seen 100,000 digital media and they'll be looking for more to see those who endangered all of those that were here. My appreciation to police and the floor staff and law enforcement, custodial staff, our staff, media, and others who were put in harm's way along with members. So I rise to support this resolution because it does not violate the Constitution or the intent of the 25th Amendment. It provides for the Congress to speak to ask the Vice President to recognize that this Gentlewoman president is the expired. only one that has ever stoked Gentlewoman this kind from of Pennsylvania reserves. Reserve. Gentleman from Oklahoma is recognized. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, I yield three minutes to my very good friend and fellow member of the Rules Committee, distinguished gentlelady from Arizona, Ms. Lesko. The gentlewoman from Arizona is recognized for three minutes. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I rise in opposition to the rule. Over the last week, we've heard calls from both parties leaders past and present, about the need for unity in our nation. We've heard President-elect Biden and other members of the Democratic Party call for unity, a path forward for our nation, full of mutual consideration and respect. Yet, here we are today with Democrats charging in the opposite direction, further dividing our nation by calling for the invocation of the 25th Amendment by the Vice President. Let's consider this for a moment. My Democratic colleagues are demanding Vice President Pence invoke the 25th Amendment and take over as President. With these calls, it is clear they have full faith in the Vice President and his ability to act in a manner that is consistent with his constitutional responsibility. Simply put, they trust him to do the job. Yet, the very demand they are making insinuates that the Vice President Pence cannot be trusted to make the decision to invoke the 25th Amendment on his own. It calls into question the core of his judgment. If you trust someone to lead the nation, and be the acting president, shouldn't you also trust that same person to take the steps necessary to safeguard if it is needed? With that, I urge opposition to the rule, and I yield back the balance of my time. Gentlewoman yields. The gentleman from Oklahoma reserves. Gentlewoman from Pennsylvania is recognized. Mr. Speaker, I yield two minutes to the gentleman from California, Mr. Garamendi. Gentleman from California is recognized for two minutes. Mr. Speaker, 
I rise today with great sadness and anger over the events that transpired on January 6th, and I rise with steadfast determination to take every possible action to ensure that those who incited and committed the unconscionable acts on that day are brought to justice. Last week's violent insurrection on the U.S. Capitol left at least six people dead and dozens injured. It was a stain on our nation and our democracy. They beat police officers. They murdered a police officer. They planted pipe bombs, they brandished weapons, and they left our nation shocked and mourning. Just as this Congress returned mere arrows after this insurrection to certify the lawful results of the 2020 presidential election, we stand here today prepared to take firm, decisive, and necessary action to restore our country. No president who invites thousands of his most devoted supporters to Washington and urges them to fight his political enemies by committing a seditious act on our democracy should be allowed to remain in office. If Vice President does not act, then to hold the President accountable, then we leave this nation vulnerable to future demigods. And that brings us here today on this somber day to carry out our sacred oath to defend and protect the Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic. I will vote to impeach those responsible, and I urge my colleagues to do the same. I yield back. General yields. Gentlewoman from Pennsylvania reserves. Gentleman from Oklahoma is recognized. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, I yield myself such time as I may consume. Gentleman is recognized. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, if we uh, defeat the previous question, I'll offer an amendment to the rule to immediately bring up a resolution establishing a bipartisan national commission on the domestic terrorist attack on the United States Capitol. This commission, modeled on the 9-11 Commission, will be charged with uh, examining and reporting upon the facts and causes relating to the attack that occurred on January 6th of 2021 and with uh, providing appropriate findings, conclusions, and recommendations for corrective measures. I can think of no more appropriate path for Congress, Mr. Speaker, uh, to follow than to, uh, by ensuring a bipartisan commission reviews all evidence and reports back to us on this horrific event. Mr. Speaker, I ask unanimous consent to insert the text of my amendment in the record, along with extraneous material, immediately prior to the vote on the previous question. And with that, Without objection. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. With that, I urge a no vote on the previous question. I yield three minutes uh, to my good friend from the great state of Kentucky, Mr. Guthrie, for further explanation of the amendment. The gentleman from Kentucky is recognized for three minutes. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Thank the gentleman from my friend from Oklahoma for yielding. All of us uh, just still are speechless about what happened last Wednesday. And it's just amazing that it happened here and condemn it in its utmost words as a violent act against the Capitol building. And we must find those who did it and we must prosecute them to the fullest extent of the law. Every time I, I travel to Washington, the first thing I look for, as I did today, was if I can see it from my airplane window, if I can see it driving across the Potomac is the dome. And I always feel great pride that the people of the Second District of Kentucky, Mr. Speaker, allow me to serve under the dome. And, when I got there today, it's still here. It's still standing, it's still the beacon throughout the world. And it, it's bruised, but it's there. And it's something that we 
all hold dear. And so what the protection of this building, that dome, this building, the office buildings, but more, most importantly, the people who work here, not those of us who are just elected to be here, but those of who work here in service. I have faces I've talked to tonight on the floor that I was not on the floor when it happened, but I knew the faces of people who were, not just my colleagues, but those standing at the doors here tonight, Mr. Speaker, who've been through so much. And we can't let this happen again. And what, if we defeat the BQ, the amendment my friend from Oklahoma has is a bipartisan commission to examine the circumstances around the attack, as well as its aftermath. It'll be modeled after the 9-11 Commission to reduce duplication and increase communication and info sharing between relevant government entities and law enforcement. The goal is to investigate, find the facts, and deliver reports so this can never happen again. And we can better protect the Capitol complex, and most importantly, the employees that work here serving our great country, and we'll protect them moving forward. We all want answers, and this is the most prudent step at this time. We will follow wherever the facts lead us and take appropriate actions in response. I urge the defeat of the PQ, adoption of the amendment, and I yield back to my friend from Oklahoma. The gentleman yields, gentleman from Oklahoma Reserve, gentlewoman from Pennsylvania is recognized. Thank you. I, we, of course, share the concern of our colleagues from the other side of the aisle uh, that an incident like this never happen again, and that's why we are urging the Vice President to invoke the 25th Amendment because of the clear and da present danger of continued violence under this administration. Um, so while I believe there will be a time to talk about bipartisan efforts to have an investigation through this House, this is not the moment for it. And with that, I would yield two minutes to the gentlewoman from California and a distinguished former member of the Rules Committee, Ms. Matsui. Gentlewoman from California is recognized for two minutes. Mr. Speaker, I rise today in support of the rule providing for consideration of the resolution before us today calling on the Vice President to invoke the 25th Amendment and remove President Trump from office immediately. Last week, members of both parties came to the floor of this chamber to take the oath of office. In that oath, each of us pledged to defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. I believe that oath compels me and my colleagues to act today. Last Wednesday's armed insurrection at the United States Capitol was a coordinated attempt to overthrow our democratic process with violence. Make no mistake. These rioters view the president's repeated claims of fraud as a mandate to act. Lies, misinformation, and demagoguery have consequences. Unfortunately, America witnessed those consequences last week. Some on television, some under tables and barricaded offices, some in these house chambers, and some in the last moments of life. It's not with joy that I immediately called on Vice President Pence to invoke the 25th Amendment. I am co-sponsor of both this resolution and the Articles of Impeachment because I believe I have an obligation to honor my oath and defend the Constitution against a grave domestic threat. And so, and in a personal note, I'm taking the stand for the future of my grandchildren. Our obligation to them and the future generations is that this democracy stands. And so it's with sadness but firm resolve that I rise to support this rule 
and implore my colleagues on the other side of the aisle to join me. Thank you, and with that, I yield the balance of my time. Gentlewoman yields. Gentlewoman from Pennsylvania reserves. The gentleman from Oklahoma is recognized. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, I yield two minutes to one of our new members, Ms. McLean of Michigan, who will be giving her first address on the floor of the House. For Thank how you. Much, for how much time does the gentleman yield? Uh, two minutes, Mr. Speaker. The gentlewoman from Michigan is recognized for two minutes. Thank you. Mr. Speaker, I rise today to echo many of my colleagues in the call for unity and a peaceful transition of power. I say this as a believer in the Constitution and the fact that the election has been certified. First, the incitement of politically motivated violence that we saw last week is intolerable. Words have consequences, and yes, the President could have done more. But I ask you this. Doesn't everybody need to play by the same rules? So let me highlight some other questionable statements. And I quote, let's make sure we show up wherever we have to show up. And if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, in a gas station, you get out and you create a crowd and you push back on them, and you tell them they're not welcome anymore, anywhere. That was not President Trump. Let me give you another one. I just don't even know, don't even know why there aren't more uprisings all over the country. Again, not President Trump. Can we all agree that at times our emotions get in the way because we love this country so much but I ask you this, whatever is good for one side, isn't it good for the other? We all have the, na the same name on the front of our jersey, and that's the United States of America. And we need to start acting like it and let our actions follow our words. Impeachment only incites more division. It does not provide unity. I offer a solution. I am ready to come together and get to the work for this great country in which we live. Are you? Reserves, gentlewoman from Pennsylvania is recognized. I would just suggest that sedition is inherently divisive and it's difficult to unify before there's been accountability. Uh, Mr. Speaker, I would yield two and a half minutes to the gentleman from New York, Mr. Swazi. The gentleman from New York is recognized for two and a half minutes. Mr. Speaker, I support invoking the 25th Amendment to re remove President Trump from office. Former Congressman Tom Lantos, a Holocaust survivor, would often say, the veneer of civilization is paper thin. We are its guardians and we cannot rest. I was sitting right there on Wednesday when they told us to take out our gas masks because the rioters had breached the Capitol. And I was standing right over there as the Capitol Police locked and barricaded the chamber doors, and I heard what I thought were gunshots as the rioters broke the windows on the main chamber door with a metal pipe. And I was standing right over there when the woman was shot outside the Speaker's lobby, and the police radios rang out Shots fired in the Capitol. Shots fired in the Capitol. Everyone down. The veneer of civilization is paper thin. Thousands of people, criminals, 
desecrated our capital, breaking windows and doors, attacking our brave officers and vandalizing offices. Rioters wearing army fatigues waved Confederate and Trump flags, donned Nazi SWAT stickers, and I saw one man who wore a shirt saying, Camp Auschwitz staff. Our president instigated this. The president's duty is to protect our republic and its people. Yet he built a mob, filled it with lies, and encouraged its fight to stop the steal. Now we hear intelligence reports that thousands of armed militias and white supremacists are planning to come again on or before January 20th. My colleagues, my friends on the other side of the aisle, we must together call upon the president to denounce this violence, to tell his supporters to stay home. Mr. President, you must please put America first. You must call off this attack, and if not, you must be removed. And I yield back. Gentleman from New York yields. Gentlewoman from Pennsylvania reserves. Uh, members are reminded to refrain from engaging in personalities against the president. Gentleman from Oklahoma is recognized. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, I yield two minutes to my very good friend, the gentleman from uh, Pennsylvania, Mr. Russianthaler, who's the newest Republican member of the Rules Committee. Gentleman from Pennsylvania is recognized for two minutes. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Let me be clear about something. Mm -hmm. The violence and the rioting in our Capitol last Wednesday was tragic, it was undemocratic, and it was unacceptable. I unequivocally condemn this criminal behavior that, occur that occurred in this building. Our great nation is deeply divided. And unfortunately, rather than looking forward and working together on issues that actually unite our country, we're here debating a partisan issue a partisan resolution that will only further divide us. The Constitution is very clear on the issue we're debating. The ability to activate Section 4 of uh, the 25th Amendment lies with the Vice President and Cabinet members, Cabinet members who were vetted and confirmed by the Senate. Congress is only drawn in, House members are only drawn in when the President disputes a declaration of incapacitation. That's not what is happening here. We should respect that constitutional prerogative. Mr. Speaker, I'm also perplexed by my Democrat colleagues' attempt to force the hand of a man that they clearly have faith in to run our country. They must recognize that by calling for the president's immediate resignation, they're also advocating for, for Vice President Mike Pence to lead our nation. So therefore, they should have the full trust in Vice President Pence's decision-making and ability to act in a manner consistent with his constitutional responsibilities, just as he did last week. Further, I'm incredibly and deeply disappointed that the role before us suspends prohibitions on engaging in personalities against the president. It's somewhat ironic if we're truly worried about rhetoric, then we must set an example and ensure that civility and decorum remain an essential part. 30 seconds, Mr. Gentleman Speaker. is recognized for an additional 30 seconds. Thank you. Mr. Speaker, we must set an example and ensure that civility and decorum remain an essential part of the American discourse. 
With that, I thank you and I yield back. The gentleman yields. Gentleman from Oklahoma Reserve. Gentlewoman from Pennsylvania is recognized. Thank you. Uh, just to clarify this provision about um, suspending the rule about personalities is so that we can have a full and frank discussion of just why the request is being made to invoke the 25th Amendment and just why this president should be impeached. It would be difficult, if not impossible, to describe the high crimes and misdemeanors and other misconduct which forms the basis of those, of those requests if that rule were not suspended. And, you know, as I mentioned in my opening, uh, I don't view this as a partisan resolution. Uh, we have members from all sides of the political spectrum now calling for the removal of this president. Uh, members might want to check their newsfeed to see the growing list of civic, business, and religious leaders from across the country who've said enough is enough. This president is a clear and present danger. And with that, I would reserve. Gentleman from Pennsylvania Reserve, gentleman from Oklahoma is recognized. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. Uh, I'd uh, disagree somewhat with my good friend from Pennsylvania. I've had the privilege of being in this uh, body for many years, and I have never seen uh, what we see in the uh, sections two and three of this rule and the suspension of appropriate language. And I understand the difficulties of dealing with this issue uh, and respect that. Uh, however, in a time when the rhetoric has been over the top, I think we should set a high sample. We've never done this before in my time here. We didn't do it in previous impeachments. The need to do it now uh, is lost on me, Mr. Speaker. So I would hope, again, I, I have great confidence in my friend. I have great confidence in my friends on the Rules Committee. And so, you know, the rule's the rule. This will almost certainly pass. I would just hope that everybody acts as, uh, as good as they can. I mean, I hate to put it that simply, but uh, this is an important issue. I respect all the members of this body. I know they have very different points of view on this. That's to be expected. Generally, our debate's professional. Generally, that standard is something we're proud of and something that we aspire to. And I hate to see it ever lowered or any exception provided. I also have great confidence in the speaker's chair, and uh, I know that they will enforce the appropriate uh, level of civility and decency on the floor. But I just ask my fellow members to please, please uh, think about this, because we've taken a very important safeguard off the uh, rails of debate, so to speak, Mr. Speaker. With that, I would like to yield two minutes to my very good friend, distinguished Republican ranking member of the Judiciary Committee, Mr. Jordan of Ohio. Gentleman from Ohio is recognized for two minutes. I thank the gentleman for yielding. Mr. Speaker, this is scary. This is frightening what's happening. With less than one hour of debate, the Democrats bring a rule to the floor that says this. You can say anything you want about the President of the United States of America. No rules of decorum about what you say about the leader of our country. In that rule, they say, if you don't wear a mask, you can get fined. No regard to whether you've already had COVID, whether you've had the vaccination, your mask slips down a little bit, you get fined in a rule with no debate. In this rule, they say you have to walk on the House floor, you have to go through a metal detector. Member of the United States Congress walking on the floor to represent three quarters of a million people in our district. And fourth, 
The rule is for the bill that says we should tell the Vice President of the United States to work to remove the President of the United States. I've been here 14 years. I've never seen anything like this. And I do not know where this ends. I do not know where it ends. But it is dangerous where they're taking us. You couple this with what we're seeing with the cancel culture mob out there, I do not know where this takes us. I'm, I, I fear for the First Amendment. I fear for the Second Amendment. I fear for the Bill of Rights. I fear for the Constitution. I do not know where this takes us, but it is scary what they are throwing in a bill that we're going to debate for less than an hour making these kind of changes. I hope they reconsider. I yield, to the, yield back to the fine gentleman from the great state of Oklahoma. Gentleman yields. Gentleman from Oklahoma. Reserves, gentlewoman from Pennsylvania is recognized. Um, we're prepared to close. Does the gentleman have any more? Prepared to close whenever she would like. Okay, then I would reserve. Gentlewoman from Pennsylvania is recognized. The gentleman from Oklahoma is recognized. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. I yield myself such, uh, the balance of my time. Mr. Speaker, in closing, I want to urge all my colleagues to vote no on this resolution. The resolution asks this House to substitute its judgment for the Vice President's in making the grave decision to initiate procedures under Section 4 of the 25th Amendment. Under the Constitution, this is a role that belongs exclusively to the Vice President and the Cabinet, not to the House of Representatives. Attempting to usurp this responsibility is not supported by the Constitution and would be a historic overreach. Members should also take assurance from the Vice President's strong record of sound judgment. Rather than pressuring him into acting, we should be reassured by the knowledge that he would act on this topic as he does on all others in performing his duty in a manner befitting his constitutional role as Vice President of the United States. Mr. Speaker, I urge my colleagues to vote no on the previous question, no on the rule, and I yield back the balance of my time. Gentleman from Oklahoma yields back the balance of time. Gentlewoman from Pennsylvania is recognized. I yield myself the balance of my time. Gentlewoman is recognized. Okay. After the chaos and potentially, well, definitely criminal behavior that we saw here last week, there's no trust left between this administration and the majority of the American people. The stability of our executive branch is a foundational piece of our democracy. This administration has failed or refused to uphold the most basic duties of protecting our Constitution, our national security, or of respecting the co-equal branches of our government. Wednesday's bloody attack proved that this administration is an imminent and continuing danger to our country, even in the waning days of this presidency. I'm heartbroken for our country, but more determined than ever to fight to preserve our democracy. I call on Vice President Pence and the Cabinet to do the right thing, and I call upon our colleagues to do the right thing, to vote our country before the interests of any one man, and to join us in ending this failed presidency. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I urge all of my colleagues to support the rule and the underlying legislation. I yield back the balance of my time, and I move the previous question on the resolution. The question is, is on order in the previous question on the resolution. Those in favor say aye. Those, those opposed, no. In the opinion of the chair, the ayes have it. Mr. Speaker, on Number that I would request the yeas and nays. 
Pursuant to Section 3S of House Resolution 8, the yeas and nays are ordered. Pursuant to Clause 8 of Rule 20, further proceedings on this question are postponed. Pursuant to Clause 12A of Rule 1, the Chair declares the House in recess, subject to the call of the Chair. It'll be on ordering the previous question on House Resolution 38, on which the yeas and nays are ordered. The clerk will report the title of the resolution. House calendar number one, House Resolution 38. Resolution providing for consideration of the resolution, House Resolution 21, calling on Vice President Michael R. Pence to convene and mobilize the principal officers of the executive departments of the cabinet to activate section four of the 25th amendment to declare President Donald J. Trump incapable of executing the duties of his office and to immediately exercise powers as acting president and for other purposes. The question is on ordering the previous question Members will record their votes by electronic device. On this vote, the yeas are 219 and the nays are 206. The previous question is ordered. The question is on the adoption of the resolution. Those in favor say aye. Those opposed say no. In the opinion of the chair, the ayes have it. Request the yeas and nays. Pursuant to section 3S of House Resolution 8, the yeas and nays are ordered. Members will record their vote by electronic device. On this vote, the yeas are 222 and the nays are 204. The resolution is adopted. Without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid on the table. For what purpose does the gentleman from Maryland seek recognition? Mr. Speaker, pursuant to House Resolution 38, I call up House Resolution 21 and ask for its immediate consideration in the House. The clerk will report the title of the resolution. House Resolution 21. Resolution calling on Vice President Michael R. Pence to convene and mobilize the principal officers of the executive departments of the cabinet to activate section four of the 25th amendment to declare President Donald J. Trump incapable of executing the duties of his office and to immediately exercise powers as acting president. Pursuant to House Resolution 38, the amendment to the preamble printed in House Report 117-1 is adopted and the resolution, as amended, is considered read. The resolution, as amended, shall be debatable for one hour. 
equally divided and controlled by the chair and ranking minority member of the Committee on the Judiciary or their respective designees. The gentleman from Maryland, Mr. Raskin, and the gentleman from Ohio, Mr. Jordan, each will control 30 minutes. The chair now recognizes the gentleman from Maryland, Mr. Raskin. Mr. Speaker, thank you. I ask unanimous consent that all members may have five legislative days within which to revise and extend their remarks and insert extraneous material on HRES 21. Without objection. Mr. Speaker, um, I yield to myself three minutes to begin. The gentleman is recognized for three minutes. We've experienced the trauma of a violent attack on this House of Representatives, on this chamber, and on all of the people who work here. An armed, lawless, and enraged mob smashed windows, beat up and crushed Capitol Hill police officers who cried out in agony, overcame and subdued law enforcement, killed or caused the deaths of at least five American citizens, including a heroic Capitol Hill police officer, Brian Sicknick, and four other Americans, inflicted serious injuries on dozens of our police officers and other people, including 15 officers who had to be hospitalized. Chanting, stop the steal and hang Mike Pence, they threatened the lives and safety of the three individuals in the line of succession to the President of the United States. They built a gallows right outside the Capitol. They screamed, where's Nancy? They stormed the Speaker's office and they occupied it. They stole government property. They trashed the place. They terrorized officers, staff, and members. They brandished the Confederate battle flag in the capital of the United States, something that didn't even happen during the Civil War. They allowed hundreds or thousands of people to enter the capital without metal detector or any kind of security screening at all, not only to desecrate the temple of democracy and to spit in the face of Congress, but actually to interfere with the counting of electoral college votes in the 2020 presidential election. They may have been looking for Vice President Pence and Speaker Pelosi, but every person in this room could have died. As a shaken Senator Lindsey Graham said, the mob could have blown the building up. They could have killed us all. Mr. Speaker, whether or not you believe the President's course of conduct in encouraging, building, summoning, assembling, and inflaming the mob, lighting the flame, as Congresswoman Liz Cheney put it in a very powerful and cogent statement this evening, whether you believe that that was a high crime and misdemeanor, an offense against the Republic, that's a question for another time. And to put my cards on the table, I think it was a crime against the Republic. But leaving that aside, I think every member in this body should be able to agree that this president is not meeting the most minimal duties of office. He is not meeting the oath that he swore to uphold and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. He is not protecting and defending the democracy itself, the process of electing the president. He is not respecting the peaceful transfer of power. He is not taking care that the laws are faithfully executed. He is not protecting the republic against mob insurrection, invasion, and hostility. He is not protecting the republican form of government for the people of the United States when he allows this to happen. This resolution is simply asking Vice President Pence to exercise his powers under Article 25, uh, the 25th Amendment. 
I grant myself 30 seconds more. Gentlemen we are granted 30 additional seconds. You may proceed. We, we are simply asking Vice President Pence to exercise his powers under the 25th Amendment of the Constitution, Section 4, to convene the cabinet and to mobilize the cabinet to state and articulate what is obvious to the American people. This president is not meeting the duties of office and is clearly not capable of it and to transfer the powers to the vice president under the 25th Amendment. With that, I will yield now for one minute uh, time. Oh, I, I reserve, I, I will reserve the range. Gentlemen, reserve. At this time, the gentleman from Ohio is recognized. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I would yield to the uh, gentleman from the great state of California, Mr. McClintock, for two and a half minutes. Gentleman is recognized for two and a half minutes. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. What a sad and ominous way to begin the 117th Congress. Hasn't this body done enough in the last session to divide our country and abuse our Constitution without carrying that damage into the new session? The 25th Amendment specifically addresses the incapacity of the president to discharge the duties of his office. It was never intended as a political weapon when Congress doesn't like the way he discharges those duties. Now, I've read that speech. He never suggested rampaging the Capitol and disrupting the Congress. He urged them to, and this is an exact quote, peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Now, many of us Republicans joined a bipartisan vote to respect the Electoral College votes despite our suspicions and our misgivings and our desires. We did this because the Constitution commanded it and our institutions depend on it. Now today, those same principles should compel a bipartisan vote to oppose this grotesque abuse of the 25th Amendment. Last week, the majority argued that the president tried to misuse the Constitution to overturn the votes of the Electoral College. Well, he asserted no direct power. Rather, he urged the vice president and Congress to do so. Many of us declined his bad advice. Yet this week, the majority directly is asserting power to misuse the 25th Amendment in a manner that does overturn the votes of the previous Electoral College. Don't they see that they are committing directly the same offense they accuse the president of committing indirectly. Every act we take builds a precedent for future acts. Once Congress asserts this new role as armchair psychiatrists and a new power to equate intemperate speech with functional disability, the most important pillars of our government, stability, the rule of law and the separation of powers will fracture. It won't affect this president, but it will stalk future presidents from this day forward. For their sake, please don't do this. Yield back. Does the gentleman reserve? All right, the gentleman from Maryland is recognized. I now yield one minute to Speaker Nancy Pelosi. The Speaker of the House, Ms. Pelosi of California, is recognized. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. I thank the gentleman for yielding and applaud him and salute him uh, as a constitutional scholar, uh, an intellectual resource, and the force of justice that he has been 
as he has crafted and advanced this resolution. And I thank the entire House Democratic Caucus for the love of country, determination to protect our democracy, and the loyalty to our oath that had been so beautifully manifested in this dark past week. Mr. Speaker, a dark week it has been indeed. On Wednesday, the President of the United States incited a deadly insurrection against America that targeted the very heart of our democracy, this temple of democracy, the United States Capitol. Defiling the genius of the Constitution, separate but equal, attacking the first branch of government, trying to prevent us from ascertaining our constitutional duty to ascertain that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris will be president and vice president of the United States. The gleeful desecration of the Capitol and the violence against Congress, our staff and our workers are horrors that will forever stain our nation's history. Five Americans have died following the violent attack. More than 50 police officers were seriously injured, including 15, 15 officers who were hospitalized. On behalf of the House, I salute and express deepest gratitude to U.S. Capitol Police for the valor that they showed in protecting the lives of members, but especially protecting our staff and those who make Congress function. Mr. Speaker, this is a sad day for our country that we have to come to the floor in a way to defend the Constitution of the United States at this time. The facts are very clear. The president called for this seditious attack. For days, he urged supporters to come to Washington for the insurrection. Wednesday morning, he participated in a rally to encourage the rioters to march on the Capitol and fight. And not only did he urge people to march on the Capitol and fight, he further fanned the flames, and he and his family cheered and celebrated the desecration of the Capitol. Later that day, as the dangers escalated, he ignored it and flat out rejected the pleas of Congress, including those of his own party, to call off his supporters, the rioters, the terrorists, as they engaged in vandalism and violence. Later that, uh, and now the president is saying that he is not responsible and that his incitement to violence was totally appropriate. The president's actions demonstrate his absolute inability to discharge the most basic and fundamental powers and duties of his office. Therefore, the president must be removed from office immediately. This is a decision we make with the utmost solemnity and prayerfulness which this crisis requires. Removal of the president is an unprecedented action, but it is required because he is an unprecedented, it is an unprecedented moment in history because the danger that he poses. And I heard the previous speaker say that we are uh, objecting to the president because we don't like the way he executes the duties, executes his duties. No, we don't like it at all. Acts of sedition, incitement to insurrection, treasonous activity, and if you are associating yourself with that as the proper execution of the president's duties, you are associating yourself with sedition and treason. 
Yesterday, in a pro forma section, we introduced a unanimous consent request to take up Chairman, uh, uh, Congressman Raskin's legislation, which calls on the vice president to mobilize the cabinet to activate the 25th Amendment to remove the president from office. Again, to prevent him from causing more damage to our country. Who knows what he might do next? But House Republicans rejected this legislation and so the president's unhinged, unstable, deranged acts of sedition may continue, endangering America and undermining our democracy. Now we are taking up this legislation in regular session. After passage, we are calling on the vice president to respond within 24 hours of passage. This resolution gives House Republicans the clear choice to honor the oath of office, to defend our democracy, and to uphold the sacred trust given to us by the Constitution and by those whom we represent. Mr. Speaker, during the President Trump presidency this four years, and especially during this sad time, I recall the words of the great Israeli poet Ehud Manor. And that's what he said when he said, I can't keep silent in light of how my country has changed her face. Won't quit trying to remind her in her ears, I'll sing my cries until she opens her eyes. I can't keep silent of how my country's changed her face. I urge my Republican colleagues to open their eyes and to finally hold this president accountable. The security of our country and the future of our very democracy are at stake. When we pray, for God to bless America, let us hope that that blessing comes down strongly on us in the next few days. With that, Mr. Chairman, Mr. Speaker, I yield back the balance of my time and again applaud the great leadership of Mr. Raskin. The Speaker yields back. Does the gentleman from Maryland reserve? I reserve, yes. The gentleman from Ohio is recognized. Mr. Speaker, I will yield two minutes to the gentleman from Virginia, Mr. Klein. The gentleman is recognized for two minutes. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I rise today in opposition to House Resolution 21, calling on Vice President Pence to invoke Section 4 of the 25th Amendment. Like all of us, I condemn in the strongest possible terms the violence that occurred here in our nation's capital last week. Political violence is never the answer, regardless of which side of the political spectrum it occurs. And that's a strongly held position on which I've been clear since well before my time in Congress. Let's be clear about a few things. The adoption of this political resolution would be divisive rather than unifying. The Vice President has said he has no intention of taking action under the amendment, so this process is pure political theater on the part of the majority. In addition, no due process has been provided. As a former prosecutor, if law enforcement brought evidence of a crime to me and said, take this to the jury tomorrow for a jury trial, there would be no chance for the defendant to prepare any defense. I'd be violating half the Constitution, the Code of Virginia, over 100 different rules of procedure. In the more than 50 years since the 25th Amendment was ratified, Section 4 has never been invoked. As such, there are no judicial or authoritative opinions that would evaluate its implementation. And absent this, we must, must look to the legislative intent of the Congress that passed its language. And nowhere in the legislative intent is the current situation envisioned. It's meant to be used for incapacity, not for political ends with eight days remaining in a president's term. Last week, Vice President Pence was lauded by the majority for not yielding to pressure to exert power beyond his constitutional authority to determine the outcome of the election. Yet, the majority today is attempting to pressure him to exert power beyond the intention of his constitutional role in Section 4 of the 25th Amendment. 
This action will only further fuel the political divide among our citizens and will be detrimental to the long-term efforts to unify our country. Mr. Speaker, both President Trump and President-elect Biden have called for a peaceful transition of power. I would encourage members of both parties to work toward this end and vote against this rushed, misguided, politically motivated resolution. I yield back. Gentleman yields back. Reserve. The gentleman reserve. The gentleman reserves. The gentleman from Maryland. Um, I now yield one minute to Ms. Lofgren. The gentlelady from California, Ms. Lofgren, the chairman of the House Administration Committee, is recognized. Mr. Speaker, last week as we counted electoral college votes, I said this day marks a crossroads for our American democracy. We didn't know then what an ominous statement that was. We do now. Congress was attacked by a violent mob incited by the president to stop us from doing our constitutional job. The president not only encouraged the mob, he said he loved them and made no serious effort to stop them. Lives were lost and put in danger. Constitutional government was urgently threatened. The president's actions were not only wrong, they were dangerous. He lives in an alternate reality. He's a continuing threat to America. Vice President Pence should invoke the 25th Amendment, assume presidential duties until the inauguration next week, and save us from a president who is unable to function, unable to protect our country. I urge all, including my Republican colleagues, to put politics aside. Act to secure the safety of our country. We truly are at a crossroads for our American democracy. The gentleman from Maryland. I reserve. Reserve. All right, the gentleman from Ohio is recognized. Mr. Speaker, I yield two minutes uh, to the gentleman from Arizona. Mr. Biggs. The gentleman is recognized. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. The violence at the Capitol last week has been condemned by Republicans, Democrats, and by President Trump. So I wonder why are the Democrats stoking the fire instead of dousing the flames? This, this 25th Amendment resolution is actually similar with some differences from the proposal filed in October of this year by this same representative and joined by 42 Democrats. The, the problem that time is they were trying to get this uh, commission together. This time they want the vice president to uh, invoke the other uh, portion of Article 4. But the problem, of course, is the vice president said a very lovely letter to them saying he's not going to do that. So our nation is divided. And while folks on the left are trying to lay this all on President Trump, you should consider a few, a few statements from colleagues across the aisle. One of our colleagues at one point said, if you see anybody from that cabinet, meaning Mr. Trump's cabinet, in a restaurant, a department store, a gas station, you get out and you create a crowd and you push back on them and you tell them they're not welcome here. They're not welcome anymore anywhere. Senator Booker called for his supporters to go to the Hill today, get up and please get up in the face of some Congress people. And I have dozens of more similar statements. But what we're talking about here today is a resolution asking the Vice President to invoke uh, the 25th Amendment and, and get the Cabinet together to remove this President. And what that does, it is basically doing what Democrats wrongfully claim President Trump did on January 6th. It pours gas on the smoldering embers which consist of tens of millions who believe the integrity of the election was questionable. They feel disenfranchised, and quite frankly, they are more angry than aggrieved. Some believe that by doing this, 
It's going to be healing. I heard this gentleman say this in the Rules Committee, that doing, in doing this today would be healing. And yet the vice president said he's not going to do that. And if this resolution is to ask the vice president to invoke this 25th Amendment, the gentleman has an additional 30 seconds. Thank you. If this is what the purpose of this is, to ask the vice president, then the purpose is now null. But I suggest to you, it looks like, it would appear like, if we're going to proceed on, even after you've received the answer that you're seeking, and it's disapprobation of your idea, that the only thing that could be left is to pour gas on a fire. And I'm asking that cooler heads prevail here. This is not necessary. Don't let this get in the way. And just to, to parrot my la the last speaker, I'm asking friends across the aisle, don't do this thing. The gentleman from Ohio, you reserve. reserve. The gentleman reserves. The gentleman from Maryland. Mr. Speaker, the gentleman um, reasonably poses the question, why are we doing this? We think that the President of the United States constitutes a clear and present danger to the Republic and to our people. For example, on the white supremacist websites that helped to build the President's mob, they are now calling for a return engagement on the days of January 19th and 20. They are calling again for an attack on the Capitol and they're calling again for the state legislatures now in 50 states to be surrounded. What will the attitude be of the President of the United States? Will he give them aid and comfort? Will he wink at them? Will he send them positive tweets and messages calling them patriots? Also on extreme right-wing websites, they are calling for the President to pardon the organizers of the armed violent insurrection that took place in this body not even a week ago. And what if the President decides to pardon them? We know this president is not living up to the most minimal duties of his office. That's why we are doing this, to protect the public. And by the way, we're not telling the vice president what he must do. We have no authority to do that. We're telling him what he thinks he should do and that the Congress will be with him because we know that he has come under extreme right-wing pressure on everything from the counting of the electoral college votes to his positions on a whole range of things to go along with Donald Trump. So we are trying to counterbalance that attack on him from the right to say the people want to see a peaceful way through this. With that, I will recognize Ms. Jackson Lee for one minute. The gentlelady from Texas, Ms. Jackson Lee is recognized. Accountability comes before healing, but healing should come. If we look at the Constitution, we will clearly see that Mr. Raskin's resolution fits the language an inability to be able to discharge your duties, to exercise the laws carefully. Do you consider these words from the President of the United States to insurrectionists and terrorists to walk down to the Capitol, tells the President, telling them if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. And that is the attack that the domestic terrorists made on this place. All we're asking the Vice President through this resolution is to reflect on that and to call upon the 25th Amendment to convene the cabinet to begin the healing because Mr. the President of the United States is dangerous to the American people. That is why we're on the floor today. We hope that he will have an opportunity to reflect because the Constitution says in many places that the actions of this president is dangerous. People have died 
we have lost two police officers. Others are in the hospital. And yes, it was an insurrection. It is time to pass HRES 21. I yield back. Gentlemen, time has expired. The gentleman from Maryland, do you reserve? Yes. The gentleman reserves. The gentleman from Ohio. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I yield one minute to the gentlelady from Georgia. The gentlelady from Georgia is recognized for one minute. Mr. Speaker, I'd like to quote the President of the United States. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Go home with peace, with love and in peace. Remember this day forever. President Donald Trump, I condemn this violence. Republicans have condemned this violence. President Trump has condemned this violence. But elected Democrats over the past year have promoted violence, have, have supported it, they fund it on their ActBlue fundraising platform, and there has been billions of damage caused over this past year in riots all over this country. You know how many uh, companies have endured violence and destruction? I have 83 pages here of businesses that had property damage, were burned, and through the Minnesota riots. Our president, our vice president-elect Kamala Harris posted the Minnesota Freedom Fund bail link encouraging people to donate money to bail criminals out of jail. The gentlelady's time has expired. I yield back. The gentlelady yields back. The gentleman from Ohio, do you reserve? We reserve. Gentleman reserves. Gentleman from Maryland. Mr. Speaker, I'm honored to yield two minutes to Mr. Katko of New York. Colleague, for yielding. I rise as a proud American who has a distinct honor of serving in this great body. As a member of Congress, we take an oath to defend the Constitution because at times it needs defending. On January 6th, the nation watched as insurrectionists stormed the Capitol, threatening the safety of countless individuals and successfully, albeit temporarily, disrupting our process. In the midst of the attack, hundreds of Capitol Police officers heroically upheld their duty to defend the United States and protect those who work here. Many officers were severely injured and beaten, including one of my former interns. And tragically, one officer, Officer Brian Sicknick, succumbed to the injuries he sustained. To Officer Sicknick's family, I extend my deepest condolences and know that we are praying for you. And to all Capitol Police officers, we are deeply thankful for your bravery. Because of you, thousands of lives were protected and the people's work was able to resume. Now, just as the Capitol Police protected us, Congress much, must match that courage and protect the Constitution, our democratic processes, and this nation. The President's role in this insurrection is undeniable, both on social media ahead of January 6th and in his speech that day. He deliberately promoted baseless theories creating a combustible environment of misinformation and division. To allow the President of the United States to incite this attack without consequences is a direct threat to the future of this democracy. For this reason, I will vote to impeach this President tomorrow. The bill before us tonight is a non-binding resolution which requests the Vice President to invoke the 25th Amendment, a step he has already said he will not take. It is merely a symbolic gesture, and I will oppose that resolution. After last week's attack on the Capitol, it is clear our nation is more divided than ever in recent history. We began this great experiment over 240 years ago, and to preserve it, we must remember that our faith, race, or political party is not what unites us. What unites us is that we are Americans. I'd encourage members of this body and everyone at home to remember that simple truth. And with that, I yield back.
back. The gentleman from Ohio, do you, do you reserve? No, I will yield. Carolyn reserves. I will yield uh, two and a half minutes to the gentleman from North Carolina, Mr. Bishop. The gentleman from North Carolina, Mr. Bishop, is recognized. Thank you, Mr. Speaker, and I thank the gentleman for yielding. Two questions. As we begin another 24 hours that will deepen the wounds of the country and the disaffection among Americans. First, will you stop at nothing? Second, is there any hypocrisy too far? Let's call this what it is, an ultimatum, an attempt to intimidate and bully Vice President Pence. They're not seeking just the same ends as Mr. McClinic, the gentleman from California, said. They employ the same means. They seek to bully the Vice President to abuse power under the 25th Amendment intended to provide for temporary or sudden incapacity of the President while they claim to be scandalized about the President bullying the Vice President one week ago to abuse power under the 12th Amendment. With all due respect for the gentleman from Maryland, he has not answered, why are you doing this now? Tonight, the Vice President has clarified in a letter sent to all of us at 7.34 p.m. that this resolution has absolutely no other purpose. Here are three key, th key things he said, and I quote, I urge you and every member of Congress to avoid actions that would further divide and inflame the passions of the moment. Work with us to lower the temperature and unite our country. Quote, as you know full well, the 25th Amendment was designed to address presidential incapacity or disability. Under our Constitution, the 25th Amendment is not a means of punishment or usurpation. Quote, and listen to this one carefully. Quote, last week, I did not yield to pressure to exert power beyond my constitutional authority, and I will not now yield to efforts in the House to play political games at a time so serious in the life of our nation. The Vice President has given you your answer before you ask the question. No legitimate purpose to this resolution remains. Your ultimatum does violence to a core feature of the architecture of the Constitution. The framers were emphatic about their purpose to avoid making the President a creature of Congress. The 25th Amendment was not ratified to change that, as you well know. Please do not pervert this important protection to undermine the Constitution. I yield back. Members are reminded to direct their comments to the chair. The gentleman from Maryland. I yield one minute to Representative Cohen from Tennessee. Gentleman is recognized. Thank you, Mr. Raskin. Last Wednesday, I came to these hallowed halls where I serve to watch the Electoral College ratify and certify the election of Joe Biden in what was a fair, transparent election, which 61 courts had looked into and all said it was fine. I was sitting right up there in the gallery when a Capitol policeman came in and said, we're locking the doors. We are locking the doors. And with only minutes of that, I heard the rabble knocking on the door, trying to knock it down. We were then told to put on our gas mask and to evacuate, and we all did it. This was an assault on the Constitution, an assault on Congress. It was a felonious assault. It was an attempt 
to murder the Congress and our processes to elect our President of the United States. It is the political equivalent of shooting somebody on Fifth Avenue and getting away with it. And somebody needs to stand up to that, and the 25th Amendment is one way to do it, where the Republicans can purge themselves of their own creation who has damaged this country. I ask us to pass this resolution, bring time this country expired. together, and get rid of this cancer. I yield back the, the balance gentleman yields time. back. Does the gentleman reserve? Yes, I do. The gentleman from Ohio. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. I yield one minute to the gentleman from Wisconsin. The gentleman from Wisconsin is recognized. Thank you. This is an absurd resolution callously politicizing an unpredictable tragedy last week. We all know that President Trump called for a peaceful and patriotic march. I must have attended a half dozen Trump rallies in the past year, and they've always been peaceful, wholesome events, typical of the thousands of peaceful protesters who remained away from the Capitol last week. I never would have expected this in a million years. This is a horrible event but not like the Black Lives Matter Antifa events that went on day after day and city after city with prominent Democrats fanning the flames by mischaracterizing police shootings or apparently encouraging bail for lawbreakers. Less than two years ago, a member of this body encouraged harassment of Trump officers at restaurants, gas stations, or department stores. And what happened? She was rewarded with the chairmanship of an A committee even in last week's riots, the speaker tried to preposterously racialize them, which can only lead to trouble, maybe violence. Everybody back home says we ought to get along. Is this the way to start things? It's time to get back to, to dealing with the people's business, dealing with the cancer culture that's beginning. Thank you. The gentleman yields back. The gentleman reserves. The gentleman from Maryland. I yield one minute to the distinguished gentleman from Georgia, Mr. Johnson. The gentleman from Georgia, Mr. Johnson, is recognized for one minute. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. For 244 years, America has stood as the world's bellwether of democracy. Last week, the world saw America at perhaps her lowest moment. It was crazy. We all took the same oath when we swore to protect this country from enemies both foreign and domestic. And now, with a domestic enemy having arisen that is crazy, only the Vice President has the power to invoke the 25th Amendment and protect this country from this domestic enemy. The 25th Amendment was written for this moment, and if not now, when would its use ever be appropriate? Vice President Pence, you have an opportunity to put country before self by implementing the 25th Amendment. Please muster the courage to protect America from maniacal behavior that threatens the very foundations of our democracy. Stop the violence, Mr. Vice President. And with that, I yield back. Gentleman yields back. The gentleman reserves. The gentleman yes. from Ohio. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. I yield two minutes to the gentleman from Ohio, Mr. Shabbat. Gentleman is recognized. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. What happened last Wednesday at the Capitol never should have happened. The actions of those who attempted to breach the Capitol building and then, then ultimately did are inexcusable. Lawlessness and violence are never acceptable, whichever side of the political divide one may fall. Those who broke the law should be and will be identified and prosecuted. In the aftermath of last week's tragic events, most Americans continue to be saddened, angry, and wanting answers. 
and they are looking to us to provide a positive example of how to bring our nation back together. Unfortunately, if what we're doing this evening is any indication, Congress might not be up to the task. The Democrats' attempt to invoke the 25th Amendment and to once again impeach President Trump a week before he'll be leaving office anyway are, in my opinion, misguided. The push to encourage the Vice President to invoke the 25th Amendment is especially ill-advised. The Constitution is clear that the role for Congress to play under the 25th Amendment is to decide if the powers provided thereunder have been properly invoked in the event of a dispute between the President and Vice President or the majority of the Cabinet. In other words, we are to serve as judges under the 25th Amendment, not instigators. By encouraging the Vice President to take action, supporters of this resolution are abandoning our constitutional role which could have a significant legal consequence down the road. And even more importantly, rather than help to heal a divided nation, the Democrats' effort will likely drive us even further apart. Instead, Mr. Speaker, we should be turning our attention towards uniting the American people. It's time for us to tone down the political rhetoric, to work together, to solve the problems that face our nation. It's time for us to put aside our differences and find common ground. After all, we're all Americans. I yield back. All right, the gentleman from Ohio Reserves, Mr. Raskin. You're you one minute, Mr. Swalwell from California. The gentleman from California is recognized. Mr. Speaker, on January 6th. How much 6th, time did you yield, Mr. Raskin? One minute. One minute. Yes. Mr. Speaker, on January 6th, Donald Trump incited radicalized terrorists to attack the Capitol to stop the counting of electoral ballots. Donald Trump won't protect life and cannot uphold our Constitution, so we must do so today. It's time for our country to unite, but unity in a national crisis starts with accountability, and that starts here in the People's House. So let's unite against the violence incited by Donald Trump to stop a peaceful transition of power and unite for the safety of all Americans. Let's unite against a president whose hate speech led to the death of a law enforcement officer and unite for the cops and military who bravely defended the Capitol. Let's unite against Donald Trump who inspired terrorists to carry a Confederate flag into this Capitol, display a noose and desecrate the people's house. And let's unite for the custodial staff, largely people of color who cleaned up after those white supremacists because they still believe in this democracy as imperfect as it was that day. The most essential function of a president is to protect life and defend liberty. Donald Trump has failed to do that and is failing to do that, so Vice President Pence must invoke the 25th Amendment. I yield back. The gentleman yields back. The gentleman reserves. The gentleman from Ohio. Mr. Speaker, may I, may I inquire how much time each side has? The gentleman from Ohio has 16 and one-half minutes remaining. From Maryland has 16 and three quarters minutes remaining. The gentleman from Ohio. Mr. Speaker, I yield two minutes to the gentleman from Florida, Mr. Stubbe. Gentleman is recognized. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I would be remiss if I didn't address the atrocities occurring right here on the House floor today. A week ago, this building was attacked, and instead of working with Republicans to attempt to prevent that from ever happening again, the Speaker and her Democratic colleagues think an appropriate response is to prevent members from exercising their Second Amendment constitutional rights in the very place that wasn't secure a week ago. This attack didn't come from the inside. It came from the outside. And to respond by restricting members' Second Amendment rights in the very institution that is supposed to uphold those rights is appalling. 
Take note, America. This is what you have to look forward to in a Joe Biden administration. If they can do it right here in the people's house, they will attempt to do it across the country. The plain language of the 25th Amendment is abundantly clear. And although I am an attorney, you don't have to be an attorney to understand that the vice president is the principle required to invoke the amendment. The beginning of section four states, whenever the VP and a majority of either principal officers of the executive departments or of such other body as Congress may provide by law, declare the president's unable to discharge. You must have the vice president invoking this, and you don't. The vice president has been clear. He is unwilling to invoke the 25th Amendment. It's not Congress's role to override him. It doesn't state in the amendment that Congress makes that determination. The vice president does. But my Democratic colleagues will stop at nothing to remove this president even a week before his term expires. The plain reading of the 25th Amendment demonstrates that this is the wrong approach. An understanding of last week's events demonstrates this is the wrong approach. And a consideration of the political tactics that we have seen in the recent days, months, and years tells you that this is a disingenuous approach at best and 100% politically motivated. I was elected in 2018, and my entire congressional career has been consumed by impeaching or removing President Trump. And after the Russia collusion hoax, and then a phone call to the Ukrainian president, and then a failed impeachment attempt that resulted in an acquittal, here we are, a little more than a week away from a new president being sworn in, attempting this travesty both to the Constitution and to America as a whole. This is dangerous, unconstitutional, and does nothing to heal this country and move this country forward. The gentleman from Ohio Reserves, the gentleman from Maryland. I yield one minute to Representative Garcia from Texas. The gentlelady from Texas is recognized for one minute. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I stand before the House floor today alarmed. Alarmed that just days ago, a sitting president stirred up a deadly attack on our U.S. Capitol. I join my colleagues in calling on Vice President Pence to activate Section 4 of the 25th Amendment. It has become abundantly clear that this president has threatened our democratic system, has interfered with the peaceful transition of power, and has endangered an equal branch of government. The president of the United States is unhinged, unfit, and unstable. Or as we say in my district, está loco el hombre. To the point where he's willing to tear our democracy down unless he prevails in his quest to overturn the election that he clearly lost. The actions taken by this president and those who enable him show that he is unfit to uphold the duties of his office. For the sake of our nation's security, this president must be swiftly removed. Mr. Speaker, democracy is a gift one generation gives to the next. We must defend it. Expired. Thank you, and I yield back the remainder of my time. The gentleman reserves, the gentleman from Ohio. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. I yield a minute and a half to the gentlelady from Colorado, Ms. Bobert. Gentlelady is recognized for one and one half minutes. Mr. Speaker, I rise today to oppose yet another Democrat witch hunt. We should take Democrats at their word when they say never let a good crisis go to waste. While Section 4 of the 25th Amendment has never been used, a plain reading of the text coupled with the context of its ratification contemplates a very different scenario from the one we are currently in. It envisions a president's disability resulting in serious illness to injury. To suggest it should be used in a different context violates the very intent of the 25th Amendment. 
To be clear, this resolution is a divisive political stunt which, had, which would have no force of law and is a waste of our time. Mr. Speaker, this resolution is a clear overreach, as invoking the 25th Amendment is not something Congress can initiate, and this must be initiated by the executive branch. Democrats talk about unity, but clearly that's just talk, as their actions only further divide us. Their hypocrisy is on full display this week with this 25th Amendment stunt, articles of impeachment, censure bills, and other efforts to try to punish Republicans for false accusations of inciting the type of violence they have so frequently and transparently supported in the past. Throughout 2020, we witnessed Democrats welcome, encourage, and even normalize violence. For them, violent riots were effective in advancing their agenda. The gentlelady's time has expired. The gentleman from Ohio reserves. The nice gentleman job, from Maryland. Nice job, Lauren. Yeah, we reserve. Speaker, very quickly, the gentlelady whom I've not had the pleasure to meet yet confuses disability and incapacity. Uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt was in a wheelchair. He had a disability, and he was one of our greatest presidents. President Lincoln, according to historians, suffered from depression, um, but he was one of our greatest presidents. Incapacity is different. Incapacity is demonstrated by President Trump's complete, total inability to conform his conduct to the rule of law and the Constitution. I yield one minute to Representative McBath. Gentlelady from Georgia, Ms. McBath is recognized for one minute. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I came to Congress to make sure that no parent ever experienced the pain that I have. I came to Congress to fight for children who've practiced active shooter drills at the same time that they're simply learning how to read, for families who've lost loved ones to gun violence, and for communities that will never, ever be the same. Last Wednesday, members of this body hid from insurrectionists behind barricades and locked doors. Staffers of this hallowed institution text to their loved ones, they're banging on the doors outside, I love you. And citizens of this nation watched in real time as rioters stormed the Capitol through shattered windows and broken glass. The result of the president's rhetoric has left five Americans dead. Our response to anyone who seeks to overthrow the will of the people must be unwavering and resolute. I didn't come to Congress to do this, but President Trump's actions warrant his immediate removal from office. And I yield back the balance. The gentleman yields time. back. The gentleman from Maryland reserves. Yes. The gentleman from Ohio. Yield a minute and a half to the gentleman from Texas, Mr. Fowler. The gentleman from Texas is recognized for one and a half minutes. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I rise today against to speak against this resolution. I'm at a loss. I can't believe the very first time that I have the honor and privilege to address this august chamber is to talk about removing the President of the United States because he held a permitted, legal, and peaceful rally. It's nothing but a wasteful political grandstand. Let's make no mistake. January 6th was a dark day in our esteemed nation's history. It was a dark and sad day. On the afternoon of January 6th, a mob breached our sacred capital. Donald Trump didn't. A mob destroyed property and vandalized historic treasures and ran amok on these grounds. But Donald Trump didn't. 
A mob committed despicable and evil acts of violence against fellow Americans. But Donald Trump didn't. In fact, Donald Trump urged, and in fact demanded, peaceful dissent and nothing more. Our colleagues on the other side of the aisle want us to unnecessarily remove a president when we're measuring the time he has left, not in years, months, weeks, or days. He's got 182 hours left in office. You don't achieve unity by simply saying it. You achieve unity through actions. This resolution accomplishes not unity, but rather is a waste of time and fosters further divis divisiveness. And I'm going to vote no on this resolution. I yield back. The gentleman yields back. The gentleman reserves. The gentleman from Maryland. I yield to Representative Neguse for one minute. The gentleman from Colorado is recognized for one minute. Mr. Speaker, uh, I had planned remarks here, but I have to respond to my colleague. His words are simply too much to bear. He talks a lot about the mob and culpability. Who summoned the mob? Who encouraged the mob? Who incited the mob? You know as well as I do that the president did. I stood here six days ago in this exact same spot and I quoted Lincoln's admonition that we shall snobly save or meanly lose the last best hope of earth. And less than 10 minutes later, a violent mob breached the Capitol, the first breach of this hallowed building, the Citadel of Liberty, since the War of 1812. The Congress must respond. Our undertaking here is not about politics. It is a matter of conscience. I support the distinguished gentleman from Maryland's resolution. I pray that the Vice President will honor his oath, reconsider, and invoke the provisions of the 25th Amendment. I yield back. Gentleman yields back. The gentleman reserves. The gentleman from Ohio. Yield three minutes to the gentleman from Florida, Mr. Gates. The gentleman from Florida, Mr. Gates, is recognized for three minutes. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, they may be calling on the Vice President, but based on his letter, he's not answering. Everybody in this country knows that they wanted to impeach President Trump on his first day in office. It looks like they're going to want to impeach him on his last day, too. But all he did in the middle was rescue our economy, rebuild our military, reform the VA, and reduce America's involvement in foreign wars. Now, I join the bipartisan caucus condemning the violence that we saw at our Capitol, but the hypocrisy is just downright disorienting. President Trump called for protests that would be peaceful and patriotic. He got labeled a national security threat. Yet the gentlelady from California can call on her supporters to get physical and in the faces of Republicans, and she gets the chairmanship of the Financial Services Committee. Republican members of Congress utilized a process contemplated in the Constitution to offer an objection, and we were labeled seditionists. Democrat members of Congress raised funds for groups attacking our police, burning our cities, destroying our businesses, establishing autonomous zones, and they were celebrated as justice warriors. Wednesday, they called for unity, democracy, and healing. Now, just days later, seeking power and political advantage, the Democrats have reverted to the mean. They've gone back to their natural state, the party of impeachment, removal, and division. They're about to have unified control of the government. Maybe they'd use this time to preview an agenda for the American people. Now, the last two times the 25th Amendment was invoked, it was to facilitate a colonoscopy. Now they're using it to facilitate a transition to Joe Biden. How weird. 
Why? I'd call it virtue signaling, but there is no virtue in it. This removal effort isn't for America. It's for them, for their ability to showcase and wield power. And we see the power of cancellation and removal on full display in America today. Forbes magazine has called for White House officials to be shamed and unemployable. ABC News has called for the cleansing of the Trump movement. I don't know what that means, but talking about cleansing our fellow human beings sure is scary. Big tech has driven consumers and conservatives off of monopolistic platforms, and then when we created our own platform, Parler, it was nuked from the internet altogether. The gentlelady from New York was booted from a Harvard advisory board because she took an adverse position on electors that had been taken by every single member of the Congressional Black Caucus in 2001. Cancellations for some, celebrations for others, for doing the exact same thing. The President of the United States can't tweet or post on Facebook, but we know from Project Veritas that the principal counsel for PBS can call for the government to steal children from Republicans and throw Molotov cocktails at the White House. We should allow America to heal before America is lost, but that is not happening today. I'd request 30 more seconds. The gentleman is given 30 additional seconds. The deal now is House Democrats just want in on the act. That's the purpose of the resolution today. They want to show you that they can still tear things down. I guess over the next two years, we'll see if they're capable of building anything or anyone up. This is a deeply unpopular impeachment. The public wishes we were here dealing with coronavirus, not the virus of Trump hatred that you seem to have found no vaccine for. I yield back. The gentleman yields back. The gentleman from Ohio reserves. The gentleman from Maryland is now recognized. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Speaker. Um, I heard one of our colleagues say it was the fault of the mob, not Donald Trump. But who summoned the mob? Who created the mob? Who assembled it? Well, you don't have to trust us if you don't like what you call Democrat members. We do prefer Democratic members for the new ones. But um, if you, how about this? Listen to the chair of your own conference. The chair of the Republican conference, Liz Cheney, said, the president of the United States summoned this mob, assembled the mob, and lit the flame of this attack. Everything that followed was his doing. None of this would have happened without the president. So you can hate the Democrat members all you want. That is the chair of the Republican conference, Mr. Speaker. I yield one minute to Ms. Maloney. New York, Ms. Maloney, the chair of the Government Oversight Committee is recognized. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Like all of us in this chamber, the Vice President and the Cabinet swore in their oaths of office to protect and defend the Constitution from enemies foreign and domestic. Now they must fulfill that oath by invoking the 25th Amendment. Donald Trump's reckless actions on and leading to January 6 underscore that he is a clear and present danger to our democratic traditions. He repeatedly and blatantly lied, spouting baseless claims of a stolen election and fraud. He called on his supporters to come to D.C. on January 6th, a day which he said, I quote, will be wild, end quote, and willfully incited an armed and deadly insurrection against another branch of our government. President Trump must be held accountable, and we must return to the peaceful transfer of power. I urge a yes vote and yield back. 
Gentlelady yields back. The gentleman from Maryland reserves. The gentleman from Ohio. Mr. Speaker, we would reserve. The gentleman reserves. The gentleman from Maryland. I yield to Mr. Clyburn for one minute. The gentleman from South Carolina, Mr. Clyburn, the majority whip is recognized. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. I rise in support of this resolution. In recent days, it has become indisputable that this president is unable to uphold his oath to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution. On the contrary, he seems only capable of attacking the Constitution. Never before has the president sought to overturn a fair and secure election, threatening state officials to manufacture fraudulent votes. Never before has the president incited mob violence to block con certification of his opponent's victory. Never before has the president refused to condemn and demand the cessation of an attack on our country. The devastating bruises on our nation's soul can only begin to heal by removing the weapon used to bludgeon us. The vice president must invoke the 25th Amendment to immediately remove power from this dangerous president. And if he doesn't, we must vote to impeach. Are you back? The gentleman yields back. The gentleman reserves. The gentleman from Ohio. Mr. Gentleman reserves. Mr. Raskin, you may proceed. I yield one minute to Mr. Krishnamurthy from Illinois. The gentleman from Illinois is recognized for one minute. Mr. Speaker, I'm so glad our friends have changed their mantra from stop the steal to start to heal. But in order to heal, you have to take strong medicine. And that medicine happens to be the truth. My friends, the truth is, unfortunately, this president is no longer fit to serve. We cannot trust this president to protect American democracy after he encouraged his supporters to, quote unquote, fight like hell in storming the Capitol. We cannot trust him to protect American safety after he told these violent seditionists that, quote, we love you. You're very special, close quote. We cannot trust this president to tell right from wrong even today when he said that his remarks on January 6th were, quote unquote, totally appropriate. Mr. Speaker, we cannot trust this president to protect us when he instigated a mob that tried to kill us. I yield back. Yields back. The gentleman reserves. Reserve. Mr. Jordan, you'll recognize. We reserve. The gentleman reserves. The gentleman from Maryland. Um, I yield 45 seconds to Mr. Soto from Florida. The gentleman is recognized for 25 seconds. 45 seconds. 45 seconds. The gentleman is recognized. Mr. Speaker, I was in the gallery right behind us when the Capitol was breached. Then domestic terrorists breached the rotunda. I heard the loud sounds of gunshots through this sacred chamber. And my last images were brave Capitol Police, guns drawn to protect us. This was the first armed insurrection in over 200 years. And who incited this violent insurrection? Donald J. Trump. Our resolution states these protests were encouraged by him. He urged millions of his followers to come and stop the steal, which is a lie. 
And let's say this now for the record and for the ages. Joe Biden won. And for this high crime nearly ripping our country aback, we should be removing him by the 25th Amendment or he should be impeached. Back from Maryland Reserves, the gentleman from Ohio. I think we'll reserve one Gentlemen Reserves, gentleman from Maryland. I yield to the uh, distinguished congresslady from California, Ms. Waters. Gentleman from California, Ms. Waters, the chair of the Committee on Financial Services. are you yielding, Mr. Raskin? One minute. Gentleman yields to the gentlelady, one minute. Gentlelady is now recognized for one minute. Mr. Speaker, on January 6, 2021, domestic terrorists the president has empowered for years stormed the Capitol desecrated the People's House and threatened the lives of the Speaker, Vice President, and countless other members and staff. None of us will ever forget that day. The invasion of the Capitol was not only foreseeable, it was inevitable because of the many years the President has spent fanning the flames of hatred and racism in our country. The facts are clear. The president rallied his supporters at the White House and then sent them to the Capitol to disrupt our democracy and overturn an election. I won't spend another second explaining why Donald Trump should have long ago been removed from office. Donald Trump showed us who he was from the very beginning. Too many people turned a blind eye. And last Wednesday, our country paid the price. I yield back the balance. He yields back. Go. Go. How much time uh, do both sides have remaining, please? The gentleman from Maryland is, is advised that he has seven and three-quarter minutes remaining. The gentleman from Ohio has eight minutes remaining. I reserve. The gentleman reserves. Mr. Speaker, the gentleman I from Ohio. Mr. Speaker, I yield myself uh, such time as I might uh, use. This past year, government told Americans you can't go to church, you can't go to work, you can't go to school. One hour ago, Democrats told Republicans new rules, new rules for the House. Today, you can say anything you want about the president. No, no rule on decorum, no rule about attacking personality. They can say anything they want, and we've seen that they've done that. Today on the floor, Got to wear a mask. If your mask comes below your nose, you're going to get fined. And in order to come in here and debate and, de and represent, constitutionally represent your constituents, the 750,000 people we all get the privilege of serving, you had to walk through a metal detector. And they did all those changes with less than 40 minutes of debate. And tomorrow, they're going to impeach a president, a president who is leaving office in eight days eight days before there will be a peaceful transfer of power, just like there has been every other time in American history. But they're going to do impeachment. They're going to do it again. They've been obsessed with it. It is truly an obsession. People on the Democrat side started calling for impeachment the day President Trump was inaugurated. They attacked him before he even won the first election, before he won in 2016. They attacked him that summer when they started their investigation. This is scary where this goes because this is more than about impeaching the President of the United States. This is about canceling the President and canceling all the people you guys disagree with. That's what scares me more than anything. 
We have seen it play out over the past several days. I never thought I'd see the things that we are now witnessing. And I don't know where it ends. But I tell you what, it should scare us all. And I said this in the Judiciary Committee, and the gentleman from Maryland will remember this. The cancel culture doesn't just go after conservatives and Republicans. It won't just stop there. It'll come for us all. That's what's frightening. And I hope, I hope you all recognize that. And at some point, at some point, we can unite and actually do things that help those folks back home that we all get the privilege of representing. Reserve our time, Mr. Speaker. Gentleman reserves. Gentleman from Maryland. Thank you. The cancel culture of violent white supremacy tried to cancel out all of our lives last Wednesday. I yield one minute to Congressman Panetta. Gentleman from California, Mr. Mr. Speaker, on January 7th at 4 in the morning, I was right outside those doors where 14 hours earlier, a rioter was shot as she violently tried to enter this chamber. It was in that early morning and at that location that I had a brief conversation with Vice President Mike Pence, Mike Pence right after we finished certifying the Electoral College. I was proud that we did our job that morning, despite the violence we experienced earlier that day. But I knew that was not enough because of the seditious actions by President Trump before that riot and his inaction during that riot. So I said to the Vice President, it's up to you to keep us safe. Tonight, with the president still in office, I'm beyond asking. I'm legislating to compel the vice president to convene the cabinet to conclude that the president is not just unable, but clearly he is unwilling and unworthy to discharge his duties. So through this legislation, I ask and I ask my colleagues to call on the vice president to invoke the 25th Amendment, yes, to keep us safe and keep this nation secure. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I yield back. Gentleman yields back. The gentleman reserves. Yes. Gentleman from Ohio. Recognize the uh, gentlelady for, uh, from New Mexico, Ms. Harrell, for one uh, minute. Gentlelady from New Mexico is recognized for one minute. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I rise in opposition to the misuse of the 25th Amendment. To preserve separation of powers, the authors of the 25th Amendment correctly intended Section 4 to be initiated by the Vice President, not by the request of Congress. Process concerns aside, the fact is removing the President from office will not heal our nation. It will not bridge our partisan divides, give Americans hope, or bring us together. It will only make things worse. With just days away until President Trump leaves the White House and just days into our new Congress, we have more important things to do. We should be working to hold big tech accountable. We should be working to help families and small businesses get through the pandemic. We should be working on jobs, on infrastructure, on energy, and all the other issues our constituents sent us here to address. I am appalled by the violence that took place here last week. Those who assaulted police officers or, and forced their way into these hallowed halls are responsible for their criminal acts and must be brought to justice. I cannot support the Second Amendment, I mean, excuse me, the 25th Amendment. But I'm also tired of the double standard, the double talk, and the double trouble that we've brought upon the American people. And we have got to stand for our Constitution. This is our Nehemiah moment, and we better take for granted. Thank you. I yield back. Gentlelady yields back. Gentleman reserves. Gentleman from Ohio. Reserve. Gentleman reserves. Mr. Raskin. I yield to Dr. Bera, 45 seconds. Gentleman is recognized for 45 seconds. Mr. Speaker, just over a week ago, we all took the oath of office. All of us 
Democrats and Republicans, and part of that oath was to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, both foreign and domestic. It's quite clear what happened last Wednesday, a domestic attack on our government, a domestic attack on this body. Republicans have already acknowledged who instigated the attack. The lead instigator was the President of the United States. Now, it is our solemn duty to uphold that oath, to defend our Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. There is nothing more solemn than what we have to do. If my colleagues don't want to instigate the 25th Amendment, that's one mechanism. We'll give you an opportunity tomorrow to impeach the President. That's our duty. That's what we have to do. Let's uphold our oath. And I yield back. The gentleman yields back. The gentleman from Maryland reserves. reserves. The gentleman from Ohio. We reserve, Mr. Speaker. Gentleman Speaker. reserves. Gentleman from Maryland. I yield 45 seconds to Mr. Gomez. 45 seconds is yielded to Mr. Gomez. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. We're here tonight because a violent mob incited by the President of the United States, based on a lie, laid siege to Congress to overturn a presidential election. But we have to ask ourselves, what would have happened if that mob succeeded? Why stop at one election? Why not two? Why not make Donald Trump president for life? Thank God that did not happen and they did not succeed. However, even after that terrible day of January 6, 2021, Donald Trump is still using the lie of a stolen election to turn American against American for his own selfish ends. I believe even with only a few days left in office that Donald Trump is still a danger to our republic and must be removed immediately. And as a fact and as an example, today the Joint Chiefs of Staff issued a statement support seconds to the gentleman. Gentleman is granted an additional 10 seconds. And today the Joint Chiefs of Staff issued a statement reaffirming their devotion to the rule of law and affirming that Joe Biden will be the 46th president of the United States. With that, I yield back. Gentleman yields back. Mr. Raskin, you reserve. You reserve. Gentleman we, from Ohio. We reserve. Gentleman reserves. I yield one minute to Ms. Velasquez from New York. Gentlelady from New York, the chair of the Committee on Small Business is recognized for one minute. Mr. Speaker, I rise in strong support of this resolution. Impressionable children are watching all of this, and they are learning from us. I believe we each have a moral obligation to exercise good judgment and model the behavior we hope they will emulate. That was Betsy DeVos. As I am sure is the case with many of you, it has deeply troubled me in a way that I simply cannot set aside. That was Elaine Chow. Mr. Speaker, these were members of the president's own cabinet who bore the sacred responsibility of taking action when the president is clearly unfit for office. But the words are all talk, and if they will not act, then Congress will. So today, we are giving the Vice President 24 hours to do right by the American people. Remove this President from office, and if you do not, the House will impeach. I yield back. He yields back. The gentleman reserves. The gentleman from Ohio. We reserve. Gentleman reserves. Back to you, Mr. Raskin. I yield one minute to the distinguished gentleman from California, Mr. Schiff. 
The gentleman from California, Mr. Schiff, is recognized for one minute. Six days ago, I was standing right here, fulfilling my constitutional duties to certify the election. And six days ago, Donald Trump was on the mall, whipping a mob into a frenzy with false claims of stolen elections and unconstitutional schemes. It was a big lie, the same big lie he had been telling for weeks. He told the mob, we are going to the Capitol and to fight like hell, and they did. Five died, many more were hurt, and we were seconds away from something much worse. My colleagues upholding our oath, the Constitution and our democracy, means recognizing that every second that Donald Trump is president, the nation is at risk. We have the power to do something about it. Mike Pence must do his duty, invoke the 25th, and if he won't, we will move with urgency to do ours and impeach Donald Trump again. I yield back. Gentleman yields back. Serves. This is from Maryland. The gentleman from Maryland is advised that he has two and three quarter minutes remaining. The gentleman from Ohio is advised that he has four and three quarter minutes remaining. The gentleman from Ohio. I yield uh, three minutes to the gentleman from Ohio, Mr. Davidson. The gentleman from Ohio is recognized. Three minutes. I thank the gentleman. Mr. Speaker, I can't say it better than the Vice President said it himself. Vice President Mike Pence said, Last week I did not yield to pressure to exert power beyond my constitutional authority to determine the outcome of the election. And I will not now yield to efforts in the House of Representatives to play political games at a time so serious in the life of our nation. I ask unanimous consent to submit this to the record. Without objection. I thank the Vice President for his excellent leadership, for his professionalism, and frankly to his, for his faithfulness to our Constitution. Not only would it be an abuse of the 25th Amendment for Mike Pence to invoke it uh, to make a political statement, it's clearly not our role in Congress to do what we're doing here tonight or is proposed to do by the majority. Speaker Pelosi claims that President Trump incited the mob that attacked the Capitol at a rally. Well, as Mr. McClintock spoke earlier, he read the president's statement. He encouraged people to come peacefully and patriotically. The Washington Post is reporting something that I would hope that our chairman of the Intel Committee would know about. The FBI report warned of war at the Capitol the day before the attack on our Capitol. I'm curious how someone proposes that uh, the president incited the mob at a rally uh, the day before the rally. I ask unanimous consent the article be submitted to the record. Without objection. <clears throat> you know, others are reporting a timeline that has the breach out of sync as well, but that highlights the important. There's far too little that we know about this uh, attack on our capital. Here's what we do know. No one has defended this attack on our capital. On our contrary, uh, we are missing willfully missing, in my opinion, a moment of extreme unity in our nation, just like was willfully done earlier this year. At a time of great political and partisan division, even seething anger, one thing all Americans seem to agree on, these attacks were wrong. The president condemned them. He discouraged violence, not just on January 6th, but on other days throughout the year as he talked about law and order, as he talked about 
something that we finally seem to agree on, that there is a clear distinction between the Constitution's First Amendment protection of the right to assemble peaceably and riots. Criminal, unlawful riots. There's a distinction between rioters and protesters, and frankly, it took us months to agree on that as a body in Congress, but the people of the United States of America agreed it, agreed to it. They understood it. So I, I encourage my colleagues across the political spectrum, the members of Congress here gathered together today and tomorrow to stand united and move forward with the agreement our country has. This was wrong and it was not the gentleman from Ohio. The gentleman from Ohio Reserves. Reserve. The gentleman from Maryland. Three quarters of a minute to Mr. Espaillat from New York. The gentleman from New York, Mr. Espaillat, is recognized for 45 seconds. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. We've all known for a while now, but this past week, it has become undeniably clear Donald J. Trump is unfit. To the Secretary of Agriculture, Defense, Commerce, and Education and Transportation, he is unfit. To the Secretaries of Human Services, Homeland Security, Housing, Interior, and Labor, he is unfit. To the Attorney General, he is unfit. To the Vice President of the United States, he summons his goons. They shed their hoods and came with their racist Confederate flag to assassinate him, to assassinate the Vice President. He is unfit. Invoke the 25th Amendment. If not, we will impeach him tomorrow, and I yield back. back. The gentleman reserves. Gentleman from Ohio. Reserves. Mr. Raskin. I'm yielding 45 seconds to Mr. Davis of Illinois. The gentleman from Illinois, Mr. Danny Davis, recognized for 45 seconds. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. After listening to all that I've heard this evening, I still have the faith and belief that we can come together as a unit. I was reading my Bible the other day and saw that it said, come and let us reason together. Otherwise, we shall all be destroyed by the edge of the soul. I say to my colleagues, let's reason together. You cannot erase truth with a lie. You cannot pretend that what has happened did not happen. Yes, we ought to have a president, but it's time for this one to go. I urge passage of this resolution and agree wholeheartedly. The gentleman yields back. The gentleman reserves. The gentleman from Ohio. We reserve. He reserves. Mr. Raskin. I yield 45 seconds to the distinguished gentleman from California, Mr. Thompson. Mr. Thompson is recognized for 45 seconds. Mr. Speaker, the President of the United States incited an attack against our democracy. For months, he ginned up his supporters with lies about our election and incited them to violence. On the 6th of January, he unleashed a mob on the Capitol. The President must be held accountable for this vile attack. He knew what, he's, what he was doing, and now five people are dead. Congress will not be intimidated. America will not succumb to mob rule. The vice president can initiate removal of the president who's unfit for office, and this president is unfit. We must, he must be removed. 
I urge a yes vote on this resolution, and I urge a yes vote on impeachment tomorrow. And I yield back. Gentleman yields back. My time. The gentleman from Maryland reserves. Uh, Do you reserve? But we have one last speaker. Is the gentleman prepared to close? I'm prepared to close. Are you prepared to close? Mahayo is recognized. I thought you had one last speaker. But we'll, we'll go after you. Oh, no, I know we'll, you we'll, closed. We'll close on my speaker. Okay, okay. Um, thank you, Mr. Speaker. The, um, what happened at the Capitol on January 6 was as wrong as wrong can be. It's not what America is about. And we condemn this violence. We commend the men and women of the Capitol Police for their bravery, and we mourn the loss of those lives that were taken last week. Republicans have been consistent. We condemned the violence last summer. We condemned the violence last week. Democrats have been consistent about one thing, their endless quest to overturn the 2016 election. I mean, they're still trying to overturn the 2016 election after the 2020 election. This has been an obsession with you guys. In the first round, the first impeachment, based on the anonymous whistleblower that the country couldn't, you tried to remove President Trump from office based on a guy that we weren't even allowed to see, know who they, he or she was, couldn't cross-examine an anonymous whistleblower with no first-hand knowledge, who was biased against the president and who worked, interestingly enough, for Joe Biden. So continuing this quest is not, as been said so many times on the floor tonight, not what the country needs, not what the country needs, particularly after the year the country has lived through. So I hope we will not vote for this, that this thing will go down, and I urge my colleagues to vote against the resolution sponsored by the gentleman from Maryland. With that, we yield back. Gentleman yields back. Mr. Raskin. And Mr. Speaker, I yield the remainder of my time, which I think is 47 seconds, to the distinguished chairman of the Agriculture Committee, Mr. Scott of Georgia. The gentleman from Georgia is allowed 37 seconds to, 30 seconds to close. Well, thank you for that, Mr. Speaker. But this, what we're discussing tonight, isn't about us. It's about the will of the American people. They're brokenhearted. They're crying. They're discouraged. And the overwhelming number of American people want this president out of office now. This is why we got to do it now. We got to heal the wounds. The longer that president is over there, the more we're tearing the heart and soul out of the American people. Gentleman's Let us time, do it now. The gentleman's time has expired. All time for debate has now expired. Pursuant to House Resolution 38, the previous question is ordered on the resolution and on the preamble as amended. The question, the question is on adoption of the resolution. Those in favor say aye. aye. Those opposed, no. Aye. The ayes have it. The Mr. ayes Mr. have it. The resolution Mr. is agreed to. Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, I'd ask for a recorded vote. Pursuant to Section 3 of the House Resolution 8, the yeas and nays are ordered. Members will record their votes by electronic device.
On this vote, the yeas are 223, the nays are 205. The resolution is adopted. Without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid on the table. Pursuant to Section 5A1B of House Resolution 8, the House stands adjourned until 9 a.m. tomorrow. <laughs>